Good morning, and welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm Penny Manson, your host, and I am so excited to have Wanda Morris joining me today. Wanda grabbed readers with her first book, All Her Little Secrets, then, before we could catch our breath, took us on another thrill ride with Anywhere You Run. Thank you, Wanda, for taking time to be here with us today. Okay, I have about 100 questions to ask you, but since there's only time for a few, let me jump right in with this. Your debut novel, All Her Little Secrets, is about Black lawyer Elise Littlejohn. As writers, we're told to write what we know. You're Black and a lawyer. How and when did you transition from writing? This is something I want to do to this is something I'm going to do. Oh, gosh, that is an excellent question. I think the very first thought of writing this book came to me while I was sitting in a meeting, actually. Um, and we're talking well over a decade ago, because I wrote the very first draft of this book back in 2008, All Her Little Secrets. And I was actually sitting in a meeting and I had just had an encounter with someone in the meeting. And I was not happy about how the encounter had gone. And I just realized in that moment that I didn't feel very valued in my job. And I always had these thoughts about writing a book, like the character, at least Little John, had roamed around in my head for years. Um, and I thought, I, you know, I can't be the only Black woman in corporate America that feels this way. And I wonder what it would be like to write a book about a woman who, you know, experiences any number of things. And that was what made me actually put pen to paper. I think that was the very first thought. Yeah. Wow. So that was the moment. That was the moment. Now, keep in mind. I wrote the first draft back in 2008 and then I put it away because I convinced myself nobody is going to want to read about a black female middle-aged lawyer who works with these god-awful people. I just thought nobody's going to want to nobody's going to want to read that. And I put the book away for 7 years, literally 7 years. Didn't touch it. Kept thinking about it all that time. But I didn't touch it because I just thought, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a writer. I've got this, you know, busy job. I'm trying to raise three kids. Why am I trying to write a book too? Um, and then didn't go back to it for seven years. Yeah. So you had that um, moment that a lot of women, you get into 50, 50 comes and goes and it's almost like there's this creative rebirth where you can finally focus on this creative side of you that's yeah. separate from earning a living, raising a family, being a daughter, a mom, a wife, you know, and, and, and a lot of women find that they come into their, they hit the, the menopausal years. And as, as uh, an author says, when society and nature is done with you, then you get to be your authentic self. You get to be who you always meant to be. So yeah. it sounds like that's what, what happened with you. So was there any idea 
along that period of time for book two? Was was the genesis for book two anywhere when you were doing book one? No, not at all, actually. I did not know that I would be kind of writing this universe of books um, when I started. Um, but the second book actually came about because um, I just finished up all her little secrets and had turned it in to my editor and knew that, you know, I had to, to write a second book. <clears throat> and we had just gone through the 2020 election. And there was all this noise and rancor about, you know, election fraud and the big lie. And, um, and, and I live in, in Georgia. So I witnessed, you know, these extraordinarily long lines of people waiting to vote, being shut out to vote because, you know, it was, you know, some technicality. Um, I live in a state where during the last election, governor's election cycle, uh, the governor also served as the secretary of state. And um, while he was running for governor, he, under the purview of his duties as secretary of state, expunged over uh, 300,000 voters from the rolls. So I've witnessed all of this. And I thought to myself, how did we get here? And um, just kind of started doing some research about the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and thought, hmm, there might be a story in here. And I'd had a character roaming around in my head and thought, maybe this might be a good way to explore some very topical themes through this particular character's eyes. Absolutely. And if I can get it to show up right, okay, Anywhere You Run, book two, mm -hmm. um, was set two months after the murder of three civil rights workers and one month after the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibited discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or uh, national origin. So um, what you're talking about is the parallels that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. now and what's happening in the United States today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sadly, there are so many parallels that occurred in uh, 1964 and are still occurring today in 2022. Um, themes in the book like uh, obviously racism, um, suppression of, you know, the vote, uh, of course, in 1964, we didn't even have the right to vote. The, the Voting Rights Act uh, wasn't passed until 1965, a year after the Civil Rights Act. Um, a woman's right to govern her own body. Um, and it, it's so interesting, Penny, because at the time that I wrote this book, the Roe v. Wade decision had not been overturned. Um, and... Um, and sadly, that that has been overturned um, as of June. And I was telling my daughter, so who's you know in her twenties, I was like, so right now you have less rights as a woman than I had when I was in my twenties, and we're in the twenty first century. How entirely sad is that? Um, other things like um, 
brutality, police brutality, brutality against uh, the gay and lesbian community. I mean, all of this is resounding right now as if we've never gone through the last 55, almost 60 years. Um, and so my hope is that people will read this book and say, hey, when will we stop and get ourselves together as a country? We, we can't keep doing the same thing and hoping for different results. Isn't that the definition of crazy? Doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. The definition of insanity, exactly. Plus, I think the value of writers to tell our story again and again and again, because each generation needs to hear it. There yeah. are young people today who do not vote because they don't think it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, you have no idea how many people have died, literally, that, literally died. Literally died. And that's what this book opens with is the literal murder of three men who were simply trying to help people get the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, things like the Roe v. Wade decision or even affirmative action that's up before the Supreme Court now, these are decisions that'll be decided by a Supreme Court majority that was put in place by a man that was elected. So if you think voting is not important, you aren't paying attention to what's going exactly. on around you. Exactly, exactly. And I think it is vitally important for writers, actors, performers, anybody who has the public ear. Yeah, exactly. exactly. To keep telling the story over and over again. And it's it's... It is, I think, um, to call this a Black story is to sell it short. Mm -hmm. Don't you believe? I believe I believe that sincerely. This is not African-American history or Black history. This is American history. And I hope people take that away, that for all its ugliness, this story is wrapped in the fabric of this country. And, and we need to square that away. Yeah. Right. And as you were saying, uh, it is very much, uh, the story is told through Marigold and Violet, but it is classism, it is sexism, it is discrimination, it is all of those issues that we have fought with, fought for those rights, and we have to fight for them again and again and again. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I feel, because I, grew up in a time when uh, Roe v. Wade did not exist. And I know how many women in my class in college uh, took their life in their own hands right. to have control over their body. And I think the mistake that we made is once we had Roe v. Wade, we went, Phew, well, that's done. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But we can... The price is total, is con constant vigilance. Exactly, exactly. These rights will be whittled away to mm -hmm. nothing at all mm -hmm. if we don't stay on our game. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it's, it's a constant vigilant battle to we make sure that all that we put in place stays in place. Absolutely, we have to keep right on going. So um, 
kudos to you for doing such a wonderful job of telling an exciting story that uh, what my mother used to call the Sesame Street School of, of Learning. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm getting this. This is such a great story. Oh my gosh, I'm learning something too. Or I, as a mom, sneaking in the vegetables when nobody's looking. You know? uh, I think you've done a, a great job of sneaking in the vegetables. And, you know, I like to read books like that. I like books that teach me something or take me to a different place or, you know, enlighten me about a different culture. And so I try to write the kind of book that I would like to read. And I've always liked thrillers and mysteries. That's always kind of been my jam. Um, but I also enjoy um, a story like this because it gives me a chance to explore um, how you can still find hope and redemption in the midst of so much pain and inhumanity. Mm -hmm. um, similarly with all her little secrets that um, these stories deserve, you know, prominence that, you know, people can do really, really awful things to each other and still people persevere and, um, and, and you get the book, too, because you mentioned classism, which a lot of people don't understand that that, too, was part of this, you know, horrific, you know, Jim Crow South stew that white segregation has created. I mean, there's a character in the book, no spoiler, um, but his name is Mercer Bugs. Yeah, Mercer. I loved poor, Mercer. Thank you. He's a poor white disenfranchised man who is used as a pawn by rich segregationists who were entrenched in making sure that the Jim Crow South, you know, stood. And I see again, another similarity between that and what goes on now, because you have, you know, political figures who use the poor and disenfranchised for their own means, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. through political rhetoric and all sorts of things. And people then work against their own self-interest in order to follow a leader um, who pushes, you know, abhorrent theories uh, about what this America should look like. And has a personal agenda that has nothing to do with the good of the country. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay, so... Uh, you have two very successful books out. You're promoting them. Uh, you're not still practicing law. You've taken a little sabbatical. I am not. I, you know what? I had taken a, an initial sabbatical um, last fall when the first book came out um, because I was just blessedly so very busy and uh, thought that I'd go back this past spring and then uh, we were gearing up for the promotion for the second book. And I was, again, very busy. Um, and so I said, I'll go back this fall. And you know what? I just love and enjoy what I'm doing now that 
I I think I'm just gonna keep doing this. Well, okay. Um, so even taking, used to say I'm gonna run along and see what the end's gonna be with this. <laughs> even taking practicing law off the table, um, you know, to an aspiring author, you are living the dream. But even our dreams come with a price tag. What has been the cost to you that has surprised you the most? Oh, that's a good question. Um, see, I, you know, I know I sound like a cliche, but I, it took me a long time to get to this space, Penny, like to be in a place where, um, I was comfortable enough to do something that I loved um, I have a wonderful support mechanism. I have a husband who provides uh, health insurance benefits. And so it took me a long time to get to this spot. And so I don't complain much. I don't, yeah, I don't tell my publicist, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't tell my, you know, marketing team, no, don't put it out. I am happy to be in this space. And I want to um, delve in and lean in to all that it offers. And I, I think if I had to pinpoint one downside, I feel like I have had to tell my family, I've got to go in the study now. I've got to write. I don't have time. Um, and, and, and that's not good, but they encourage it because they're like, we just love what you're doing and I love what I'm doing. So I don't make a lot of complaints because I'm just enjoying it all. It, and if it is mama is happy, everybody's happy. Right? Exactly. Happy. Okay. So real quickly, because Pam's nudging me and telling me to wrap up, but I've just got to ask, can you share just one, my cup runneth over moment with us? Oh, um, I have had so many, I'm not going to lie. I've had a lot, but I got to tell you when uh, Uzo Aduba and Denise Davis, uh, who I don't know if your listeners know, Denise Davis is also an executive producer and produced Insecure and um, uh, uh, Diary of an Awkward Black Girl, uh, Black Woman Comedy. I mean, just a, a host of really wonderful shows. When the two of them came calling and said, we love all her little secrets. We'd like to take this to, you know, a larger audience. That's a cup runneth over kind of moment, I think. You're a perfect guest because you segued lovely, just beautifully for me. So I was saying, I was going to say, um, uh, there's no time to ask you about your next book, but there is a next book, right? There is a next book, and I can tell you very quickly, um, it is about a young woman who is suffering um, an unbelievable loss, and she returns home to uh, Low Country, Georgia, down near the Brunswick, Sapelo, Jekyll Island area, and um, she has to overcome her own personal insecurities and grief in order to help a Black landowner when she uncovers a scheme that threatens to take away the generational wealth and property of uh, poor and disenfranchised people. 
So. Oh, sounds like another winner. Yeah, okay, so. woman and having generational wealth. Oh, thank you, Wanda, for joining us today. If you haven't read Wanda's debut novel, All Her Little Secrets, which has been picked up by Showtime for a limited series, um, you definitely want to check it out. And you might as well save yourself some running around time and pick up anywhere you run at the same time. But I will just caution you clear your calendar because once you strap in for this ride you are not going to want to stop until it's over thank you wanda for taking the time to join us today i'm penny manson thank you for listening to us today on authors on the air until next time fill your mind and heart up with the good stuff and be well